couple of weeks back, um, I began to unpack the subject of worship, and I took us on a journey back into the old English roots of the word that we use, worship, and um, I put up the hieroglyphics, the English hieroglyphics, as you can see under there, but the word worship comes from the old English word, worth-ship. And it's actually, you know what, it's a very accurate word because it means to give something worth to demonstratively attribute value, to give glory to. And uh, intentionally, the background of most of the slides has got a set of old-fashioned scales on it because we need to accurately weigh and measure the value, the glory, and the worth that we put on things. You know, there's, uh, just let me be really clear right here at the get-go, there is amazing and incredible worth in family. There is wonderful and amazing worth in our school and education and medicine, all the things that we hold important in our lives. And they're all, they're all worth worth. But where things can get out of kilter is when that worth goes higher than God himself. And so we need to accurately weigh and measure the glory we give things because there's only one who should receive all the glory. You know, every day, Every day, you have this opportunity to focus and choose what has worth or what does not. Every day, you have the freedom to place worth on something or someone. Every day, we are given the opportunity to align our hearts with God's worth and His faithfulness. Like when you wake up in the morning, when that alarm goes off, and in my case, for the 10th time, I love my snooze button. I love my... What, what, are the, what are the words that come out of, your, out of your, your mouth first thing in the morning? Do you go, good morning, God? Or do you go, good God, it's morning? <laughs> you know, what, what do you place worth on right from the get-go of the day? So I'm just going to do a very quick recap because it's been a couple of three weeks. I spoke, you know, when I first started this, I talked about worship, worship being a heart issue. We briefly looked at a parable that Jesus explained to the disciples, but he also explained why no one else understood, or a lot of the people around him didn't understand the parable. In Matthew 13, verse 15, it says this, For the hearts of those people, of these people are hardened, their ears cannot hear, they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. It's so important that we get this this morning. You see, we wonder why we can't see what God's doing. It's not an eye issue, it's a heart issue. We wonder why we can't hear God speaking to us. People, people say to me, as a pastor, I just can't hear God's voice. It's a heart issue. We wonder why we can't understand. We read the Bible and it's like, ah, oh, it's a heart issue. And there are times when we wonder why we actually can't turn away from our sin or turn away from addictions or turn away from gossip or turn away from anger or unforgiveness. Why well, it's a heart issue. Now, let me, let me be really cautious but also real here. There is stuff that's real that happens in life. There is stuff that, that happens and we do struggle to forgive or maybe there's an addiction. For some reason throughout your life, some circumstances happened and an addiction has formed but actually, if you bring that in under the name of God, if you bring your heart in under God, 
then he can and does and will begin to work with you on your heart so that, what does the scripture say? That we can turn away from sin and be healed. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 from the Passion Translation of the Bible says this, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Not just all that you do, but all that you are. We just simply cannot allow our hearts to harden. And you know what? Sometimes that might be a week by week, day by day, or when we're walking nose deep in cold porridge, minute by minute. But with the grace of God and the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, our hearts can stay soft. Maybe a bit bruised for a time, but they can stay soft. So we're going to launch into part two as I bring this mini-series to completion. But before we go anywhere else, I just want to pause and pray. Can we do that? Come on, let's lean in. Lord, we know in your word, by your word, it, de it declares clearly that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can literally divide between soul and spirit, between thoughts and intents. It even talks about between bone and marrow. Lord, would you come and, and do some surgery in our hearts today? Would you come and, and cut away the things that hold us stuck? The Bible speaks of a heart of stone being removed and a heart of flesh, a feeling heart, a, a, a soft heart being, being the replacement. God, would you come and do some heart surgery today for us all? Holy Spirit, as I speak, I'll, I'll, I'll deliver what I really believe you sowed into my spirit, but it's you that's going to bring the supernatural. It's you that's going to bring the extra over the ordinary. Have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I just said that worship, worship, worship is a heart issue, but actually, you know what? It's more than just a heart issue. It's actually a heart response. In a Christian church like this, we worship, and that worship is the response that is to God and to Him alone. We can put worth on things, and we do, but we shouldn't worship the things, we should worship God. Worship, worship in its purest form, is exclusive and exclusive for one. When we come and we gather like this, and I love gathering in a room full of saints who love Jesus and we collectively worship, but you know what? We do it for an audience of one. I remember as a young guy, I, I was uh, raised in a traditional church and it was a little one and you knew when the Hatch family was in the house because our entire family filled a whole pew. There was six of us, mum, dad, four kids. And I used to stand next to dad and he, 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 he well, he still is a good singer. Um, I'd stand next to him and I'd go, and I just would ignore everything else because I'm thinking, Dad, you're singing the wrong tune. <laughs> I used to think he was a bad singer until I got what he was doing. And I realized my dad was singing harmony. And that's where I learned how to sing harmony. I used to stand there and I'd go, okay, I'm listening to everybody else, but I'm also listening to Dad. And, and, and people, if they saw me, they'd think I was weird because I was like... <laughs> and I was trying to figure out where the notes went and... and I think I probably sounded like a strangled goose a lot of the time because I was trying to sing the melody and the harmony all the same. I can't, I don't have two voices. 
So I was, uh, and then my voice broke, and we just won't go there. But anyway, but you know, it's, that's a response, but we do it for an audience of one. But guess what? We don't just need to wait till today. We don't just need to wait until we gather with the saints to worship. We can worship anywhere, in any place, and in any situation. And one of the most amazing examples of this in the Bible, we are going to remember in less than 45 days. Sorry, those who don't want Christmas. Don't put your Christmas tree up yet. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. The wise men, they had a revelation of this. The Magi, when they found and they worshipped Jesus as a baby, in today's Western culture, that would have been slightly creepy behavior. But when these guys rocked up, this was a special child. This, this child, some 2,000 years ago, who now we know in reading the Bible is not a child any longer, but a man is the king, and Jesus is his name, and he is the king forever. And here's the thing that just blows my mind. I remember when I really, I was reading this through over and over and over and over and again. And, and I was like, oh my word. There is no hesitation. There is absolutely zero hesitation in these three men. They had come a long way following a star that hung in the heavens. And they got to this rundown, well, compared to what they are used to. Okay, these guys lived in the palaces. They come to this little house in this little backwater town called Bethlehem. And they walked in. I mean, can you just, just picture it. I mean, would anybody today go, oh my word, look at that star, and sell everything, buy a boat, buy a plane, do something, and just keep following it until it stops? And how many of our families would have a problem with us if we did that? But these three guys, well, it was probably more than three, but we because they would have brought an entire entourage and probably several hundred camels. But these three guys, they were scientists. They were professors. They were royal advisors of their day. They had the ear in the audience of the highest kings of the time. And when they walked into that little house and they saw that baby, there was no hesitation. There was no question they knew who was before them. It didn't matter who they were, what they did, where they came from, or what sort of terrain they had to walk through. All that mattered was they were there, and Jesus was at the center of all. And in the beauty of that moment, that house, that house became the tabernacle. That house became the temple. That house became a house of worship. And they bowed down, and they worshiped the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yeah, you've heard me say before, I'd like to try and put myself in the story. I, I, could, I just, could you imagine the atmosphere in that place? Just the, I reckon the air would have been almost crackling with holiness. I mean, we'd had the hosts of heaven singing the hallelujah chorus to the terrified shepherds. And it said that they came and they saw that everything that Gabriel said was true. And on their way back out of the fields, they literally told everybody they saw. I mean, Bethlehem would have been the place to be. How would we respond? You know what? How we respond to God in worship, in spite of our circumstances, 
in spite of our station, our status, our vocation, what we're going through, where we've been, where we hope to go, in spite of all of that, how would we respond to God? These men give us an example. And it is evidence of their revelation of God. My heart's desire is that we would all grow in a deeper and deeper revelation of the King. The wise men worshipped Jesus. Their worship was not reserved. And it definitely wasn't reserved for Sunday. Or the right building, or the right circumstance, or the right surroundings. They just worshipped. Psalm 100 verse 4 and 5 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving, going to his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Now, we can't actually enter the literal gates of heaven right now. Boy, wouldn't that be a Sunday? Come to church and go to heaven. Forget the roast. <laughs> or McDonald's, young people. But you know what? It's a heart issue and it's a heart response. Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, he said, the kingdom of heaven is nigh. It's close. What's your heart response? So what should that response look like? Let's, uh, let's dig into that. You know, the English language is incredibly economical. Really economical because we have one word with a hundred different meanings. And everyone who's had to learn how to speak English says, Amen. But whilst it's very economical, we use one word for many, it's also really, really limiting. The Hebrew language uses multiple words, and whilst they are absolutely linked, they don't necessarily or they don't actually mean all the same thing. In the Old Testament, which was largely written in Hebrew, the most common Hebrew word translated as worship is shachach, which means to bow down. However, there are actually seven postures of worship. We're going to go through them real quick. The scripture references are up here. If you want to take your phone out, take a photo. I don't know how many copies of my notes are still out there. But the first one is yada, to worship with an extended hand. If you're new to Pentecostal churches and you see us walk in with our hands up, we're not airing our armpits. Okay, we are extending it yada. The next one, tehillah. To sing, to Lord. To Lord is to praise highly, to give worth in our words. Tahila. Then there's Barak. That's to kneel or to bow. Then there's Halal. To praise, to celebrate, to glory, to sing your praise, to be boastful, to rave, to be clamorously foolish. And the most amazing example of that is King David when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem who danced with all his might and his wife looked down on him and she went, wow, you look like a total loser. And you know what his response was that? Even more undignified than this shall I be for the glory of my king. Come on, that's a halal. That's a halal response. That's got nothing to do with facing east and killing meat. That's a different halal. Then there's dolda, to give worship by the extension of the hand in adoration. Or agreeing with what has been or what will be done. Then there's zama To sing with instruments. All you musos, break forth into song. Come on. Prophesy from the drums, Brad. 
I give you permission. <laughs> we might have to put some more soundproof. Oh, no, okay. Then there's, then there's Shabbat. That's to address in a loud tone, a loud adoration, a shout of praise. I used the word posture just before, because guess what? Posture is both external and internal. How many mums and dads have heard this? I may be sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. When dealing with a rebellious 18-year-old. <laughs> Mark 12, verse 30 says this, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Okay. Let's think about posture. Worship is physical. It's an audience issue. Who am I doing this for? The scriptures teach us, whatever you do, do, all, do it all as if you are doing it unto the Lord. It's, 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 it's how I do things. It's physical. You, know, you, can, you, can, you can worship mowing the lawn. I want you to think about that. There's a widow or some older folks or someone who's sick or injured and they can't take care of their property. You go and you mow their lawns. You're, you're worshiping the king. Baking a cake for the next door neighbor or the pastor. Oh. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just feeling a little bit naughty because I'm preaching on one of my favorite subjects. Worship is a mental thing. Doesn't mean we go mental, but hang on a minute. What does it say about halal? To rave, to be clamorous, to be boastful. It's a mind, it's a will, it's an emotion. You worship with everything. Physical, mental, it's a vocal thing. I want you to think about this. Do I just make a noise to be heard? Or do I shout when I should be silent? Or am I silent when I should shout? Great example. Children of Israel walking around Jericho. Six days. Can you imagine over a million people being quiet? Now that's a sign and a wonder. That's a miracle. But then all of a sudden, on the day seven, over a million people. And then what's that, what was that one for shout? Shabbat, to address in a loud tone, and loud adoration, a shout. Over a million people. For the king of a God. So it's physical, it's mental, it's vocal, but guess what? It's also focal. It's an eye issue. What we focus on grows and shapes us. Do you look on the things that bring God glory or do you look on the things that crush your heart? You may have heard this phrase, stop telling God how big your problems are. Start telling your problems how big God is. When you're in his presence, the best response without question is worship. Worship before you bring any requests. Worship before you even bring your tithes and offerings and any gifts. The wise men worshiped Jesus before they presented him the gifts. Worship with or without music. Worship with or without words. When you're at home, sing like nobody's listening and dance like nobody's watching. Oh, okay, must be the only one that does that. All right, all right. Jeremiah 17 verses 7 and 8 says this. 
But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Why is this important? Because worship will dig a well. Praise will bust the rock and worship will dig the rock out. Praise will break the hard ground and worship will lift it out and let the anointing flow. Praise and worship are interchangeable words, but like in the Hebrew language, they also have their own specific meanings. Why on a Sunday morning do we start with praise? Because you know what? We just want to bring you into the presence of God. We want to bring you into a place where you can focal, you can focus on the King. You can, yes, we acknowledge this. It, okay, it's been a bit of a mongrel week, but you know what? I'm here because I'm here for an audience of one. And I'm going to praise him and I'm going to, I'm going to declare his goodness and I'm going to yadal and halal and shabach and all of the above. And, and I'm just going to begin to, and my soul will begin. David, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. And it's going to lift, oh, the, the glory and the lifter of my head is another way that David described God. And he lifts our head and he lifts our soul. And when we begin to lift and we begin to look, what do I do? Our hands go up and we go, God, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Don't allow anything. Or anyone to limit your worship. Worship God whenever and wherever. Worship Him when you feel like it and when you don't. Engage God in worship physically, mentally, vocally, and focally. He gave us everything. Let's use everything to worship Him. Last, um, last Wednesday morning, so... At uh, quarter past seven on Wednesday mornings, uh, we have a prayer meeting that, um, that's actually open to everybody. Um, and uh, we, we come and we gather and we pray quarter past seven to quarter to eight. Although sometimes we get really carried away and it goes 10 to eight, five to eight. But um, it's just such a special, special time gathering the, with the ones that come. You know, if you're going to pray, you take the gap. It's like Auckland, Russia. You've got something on your heart, you've got to take the gap because people are praying. And, but last Wednesday morning, Two prophetic, uh, a prophetic picture and then a prophetic utterance. So a picture was, was given to one person and then what to do came through another person. And these were the two, these were the two words. The first one, first person saw was given a prophetic picture of the oasis of Elam. So if you're relatively new to Elam and you don't know our history, Elam is an actual geographic location. Go on Google Earth. It's an oasis. It actually still exists. 12 date. I uh, was at... Um, 70 date palms and 12 springs. It was the second oasis or the second spring that the children of Israel came to when they escaped from Egypt. And so the picture was given of the oasis of Elam. The trees were there. And in amongst the trees, there was a hollow in the ground. But there was no water in it. And uh, the person that um, the Holy Spirit gave that picture to stood there and has felt stirred within themselves to make this to make this shabach spring up a well, and so we all yeah we all agreed with that. And no longer you know within moments of that happening, the second person then was given a I would call it Holy Spirit a Holy Spirit directive. 
And this was the second one. If you will step up and step in, it will flow. There's a key word in that. You. I want to put both of those pictures, those prophetic things into one picture, and it's going to come up on the screen now. Yes, our God is sovereign, but he doesn't expect you to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. Get the picture? Worship requires action. Okay. Who's ever wanted to lose a few kilos? Okay, don't, no, no, no show hands, no show hands, no show hands. Have any of you been successful in losing weight simply by wishing you could? Okay, have any of you ever lost weight by sitting down watching fitness videos? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Has anyone been selected for the All Blacks or Springboks just by watching the rugby reruns? No, okay. I'm guessing not. You know what? Whether your dream is one of health, home, or career, your dream will not work until you do. It is exactly the same with worship. The Bible says this in James 2.26, faith without works is dead. Now, let me clarify. This does not say faith is powerless. Faith is very powerful. So powerful, in fact, Jesus himself said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. Faith is powerful. And faith is fuel to our action. And if we're not willing to work at faith, faith will not work for us. Guess what? Worship is equally powerful. But if we're not willing to put ourselves into it, then worship isn't going to change. You know, it's, nothing's going to change. Worship's not just a feeling. Worship is a response. It's a response when you focus on, when you serve, when you speak. It's an action. We can't just dream about worship. We can't just give a mental nod. You guys worship at church? You, you, you might be slightly terrified at just what the worship team gets to see on a Sunday morning. I remember reading a story once, and actually I've met the pastor that did this in his church Church, let's just say, like us, church starts at 9.30. Everybody gathered in church. There wasn't a single person on the stage. And uh, about five past, a guitarist came out and did what guitarists do. And then out come Brad. Mark on the bass. Anyway, 15 to 20 minutes this went on. The, each individual came out, a vocal came out, and don't do that. You're not supposed to do that with a microphone. And by this stage, the church was getting really, 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 really twitchy. And the pastor walks out and he goes, bit of an awkward atmosphere this morning, eh? He said, I want you to know I asked them to do that because I wanted you to see what they see every Sunday. Is that okay? 
I, I, don't, I don't do that to bring condemnation on anybody. But I'm talking about our heart this morning. It's a heart issue. It's a heart response. When we develop a lifestyle of worship, we grow in strength, we grow in peace, and we grow in the revelation that God is good even when our circumstances are not. We sang that song praise this morning, and I, I think it'd be really good for us to finish with that one this morning. So worship team, would you come? I, I've, I've taken too long with my notes. I don't think I'm going to finish this message this morning, but that's all right. Brandon Lake, who was one of, the, um, one of the composing team for that song, Praise, says this about praise. While it may be easier to praise God in the middle of our promotions, people are truly taken aback when we praise Him from within our prisons. But He is worthy regardless because He is unchanging and he, He's with us no matter what. So praise Him as you kick off each new year with hopeful resolutions and routines. Praise Him as the months plug along and you face prisons as well as promotions. Praise Him as you reflect on the past and prepare for the future. His power and His character never change. And for that, He deserves all the praise. He deserves all the praise. Alicia, I want you to jump to the second to last slide of Scripture. Why is it so important that we make sure that we read the Word of God when we're wanting to lean into God? Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, The Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You know what? When we love as Jesus loves, when we're willing to sacrifice as Jesus sacrificed, then we're going to have revelation after revelation, and it's because God Himself is worth it.